The following sermon was delivered by Pastor Frank Griffith at Calvary Community Church in Brentwood, California. You'll find more information at calvarytruth.org. Today we're going to look at uh, an issue that has to do with Father's Day. Uh, I, I call it Dad's Role and God's Role in Raising Heirs. The reason I cut that instead of raising children is simply that uh, in, in the context, the emphasis is on the fact that God has raised heirs and joint heirs with Jesus Christ, and so he's, he is, uh, wants us to know that he will empower us to do what we need to do to raise our children the way he wants us to in a way that's going to truly benefit them. And we're basing this on Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 through 15. I want to read this to you. This is Deuteronomy 6, verses 4 through 15. This is what it says. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. That's called the Shema of Israel, which just means this is it, it's related to the word for hear. And they're speaking this so that the people would hear it. And God's speaking to them through the prophets to say, listen to what I have to say. And then he goes on, he says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might what Jesus called the greatest of all the commandments. These words which I am commanding you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your sons and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise up. In other words, in all of life, whatever you're doing with your children, you're speaking to them about the truth that he's talking about as the revelation that God had given his people. And then he says in verse 8, You shall bind them as signs on your hand, and they shall be as frontals on your forehead. And reminders of these things. Kind of like um, how tattoos function. <laughs> you shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. Then it shall come about when the Lord your God brings you into the land which he swore to your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give you great and splendid cities which you did not build and houses full of all good things which you did not fill, and hewn cisterns, that is, these uh, things which will hold water, uh, which you did not dig, vineyards and olive trees which you did not plant, and you eat and are satisfied. In other words, God's going to bless them richly, not because they deserve it, but because he deserves to give this to them. And then he says in verse 12, Then watch yourselves, that you do not forget the Lord who brought you from the land of Egypt out of the house of slavery. Because this is a period of time in the history of the people where they're going into the promised land, into Canaan. You shall fear only the Lord your God, and you shall worship him and swear by his name. You shall not follow other gods, any of the gods of the people who surround you. In other words, you're going to go into a country. Canaan is going to be filled with all kinds of people, and they're going to have all kinds of gods, and you shall not follow these other gods. And he goes on in verse 15, For the Lord your God in the midst of you is a jealous God. Otherwise, the anger your God will be, will be kindled against you, and he will wipe you off the face of the earth. That's a pretty strong statement, isn't it? If we're not willing to trust the living God and turn to him only, then he would just remove them from the, of, from the land, from the earth. And uh, he has sent them out to be a testimony concerning him. And this is where. They have come to the place where they're going to receive the law of God, which tells them how they are to live in the promised land, how they are to live as the people of God. And then our role, uh, that is a, the human father's role, is, is this is spoken to a people 
who are taking their children into a minefield. Canaan was a minefield. It was filled with people who had all kinds of gods, false religions of all kinds. And, and Canaan was much like our situation. And if you would just stop and think, what are some of the minds that you are concerned about with your children? Well, three things are necessary for us to be effective in fulfilling our role as parents of children, uh, fathers of heirs or joint heirs with Jesus Christ. He, he's, this is what we must do. A, a parent, if he's going to be effective, who is, is to be someone who is lo- a loving God and believing God. That's our main responsibility, to be good parents, good Christian parents, is we love God and believe God. It's not a know-it-all, but a learner. It's not somebody who thinks they know everything, but it's someone who is, is open and learning from the Word of God. It's not talking about somebody who's grown, but somebody who is growing. They're advancing. They're, they're increasing. The basic characteristic, when he hears God's voice, when a parent like this hears God's voice, he responds. For example, 2 Corinthians 3, verses 12 through 18, without, he, he describes uh, there serving God without veils, and he mentions the veil that, that Moses put on. When he would come out of being in the presence of God, he would shine. He literally, they could see the glory of God on his face. And so what he did was he put a veil over his face. But what we're told in this passage is the reason he put the veil over his face is so they could not see it fading away. They wanted, he wanted the people to remember that he had been in the presence of God. Now, we have a, a lot of uh, uh, Scripture that talks to us about this thing of removing the veil. We are not to put a veil on. We're not to hide all of our imperfections. We are to live our life before our children in such a way that they can see growth, not perfection, but growth, that we are, we are living a life of faith in God. And so your responsibility as a valid model is responsiveness to Jesus Christ, whether you are two months old in the Lord or 20 years old in the Lord. Example, for example, 1 Thessalonians 1.6, it says, You also became imitators of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much tribulation with the joy of the Holy Spirit. Now, what he's talking about there is when Paul came to them and was preaching the gospel, he suffered. He went through tribulation. He went through a lot of uh, difficult things. And you would and you would think the people would begin to think, well, if you serve this God, you may, you may be sorry for it because it may cost you dearly. But what Paul did was he ministered to them without hiding the fact that he wasn't perfect yet, he wasn't completely like Christ, but he, that he was growing and that he was a follower of Christ and he was full of faith in Christ. And then there must be close relationship. You have to have a close relationship with your children if you're going to be an effective Christian parent. 1 Thessalonians 2, 7, uh, Paul writes, But we prove to be gentle among you, as a nursing mother tenderly cares for her own children. Now, t- think of that. He's giving a picture of himself as a nursing mother tenderly caring for her children. He says, that's the kind of person you saw me to be. He goes on, having so fond an affection for you that we were well pleased to impart to you not only the gospel of God, but also our own lives, because you had become very dear to us. Paul was not afraid to tell these people how much he cared for them and that the reason he was there was because of his love for them and his desire to see them to grow in the faith and come to be joyful Christians. He goes, he goes on, he says, For you recall, brethren, our labor and hardship, how working night and day, which means he worked at night and he worked at day, so as not to be a burden to any of you. In other words, he took care of himself. He didn't 
take resources from them. But he worked, and if it if it was to, if he got a job in the daytime, he'd work in the day. If it was at night, he'd work at night. We did this. We proclaimed to you the gospel of God. You are witnesses, and so is God. How devoutly and uprightly and blamelessly we behave towards you believers, just as you know how we were exhorting and encouraging and imploring each one of you as a father would his own children. Now notice he says we're like a mother and we're like a father. Like a mother, we cared for you. We showed care for you. And like a father, we were an example to you, and we exhorted you, and we encouraged you, and we implored you. This is what he says is our responsibility in raising children. God has his part, but we have our part, and he will empower us to fulfill it. And he goes on, he says, so that you would walk in a manner worthy of the Lord who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. We're to have this attitude that Paul had. We know that, that our children, when they come to faith in Christ, they've been blessed gloriously and we want to do everything we can to help them to grow in that life. Paul got so close to these people that they knew his true motive in ministering to them. He didn't put a veil on to hide the fact that he had flaws. In fact, uh, he was himself. And so he ministered like a mother and a father. And then in, in verse 20, he says, it says that Paul modeled transformation to the Ephesians by being intimately involved in their lives. And we're not going to turn there. But he's basically the same thing as he's talking about here in the, with the Thessalonians. He was willing to minister among them in a way that they could see the truth about him because he wanted them to see the fact that he wasn't perfect, but he was growing and he was a man of faith. And then the third thing there must be is there must be communication in real life situations. This is really fascinating. He says in, in 1 Thessalonians verses 7 through 9, in order to carry this out, you have to share life experiences with your child. In other words, when you're, when you're going places, when you're together, when you're talking, you're always telling them and communicating to them the truth about the reality of who God is and what this salvation is that you have received from his hand. And the problem is, without quantity, you can't have quality. In other words, this, these are just statistics, but notice, the average middle-class American home, time spent by a father with a child under one, is estimated to be 20, 20 minutes. But in actuality, they did, actually did a study of this, and they found out that it was only 37.7 seconds. In other words, not much time. Time spent by the father with first through sixth graders is seven minutes. Not enough time to encourage, exhort, implore, or model transformation. And this is what God has called us to do. He's called us to be the spiritual leaders in our home and to actually care about the growth and the, the maturity of our children as they live the Christian life. They've got to be with you in shared life experiences. I remember uh, I heard a, a pastor, a preacher talk about this. It was J. Vernon McGee. And he was talking about every time he went somewhere, if he could, he would take his daughter with him because he wanted to talk to her about her soul. And he would talk to her about the gospel over and over and over again. He said, finally, she began to say, you know, Dad, why do you keep asking me those questions? You know that I'm a, I believe in Christ. I don't, you don't need to ask me that anymore. And he says, oh, no, I won't stop asking you because I really want to know. I want to be sure. And so uh, what I started doing as a result of that, I started doing the same thing. I started talking to my kids about the gospel. And I remember in about 1972, when my son was probably five or six years old, on a Sunday afternoon, there was some guys told me they were going to start, they were going to play basketball. They were going to shoot some hoops and they want to know if I wanted to come down. I said, yeah, I'll bring my son with me. So I brought him with me, and I shared the gospel all the way there 
We talked about it, and the guys talked about it while we were there uh, shooting around. And then on the way home, I said, would you like to receive Christ? You've heard what Jesus has done for you. You know what he's done. You've seen it in other people. Do you want to receive him as your own personal Savior? And he said, yes. And it turned out that that was a real conversion. He truly did put his faith in Jesus Christ. Well, that's our responsibility. That's, that's why God has placed us in their lives, is so that we can be a witness to them. And it, and it does take words. We have to speak words, and we need to do it to people that we talk to a lot. They're used to talking to us. They're used to hearing us. And so we, we want to develop the kind of relationship where it would be obviously a, a thing that they would expect for you to share the gospel with them and to share the truth about who Christ is. And so here's, here's the instructions we have that what we ought to do as, as parents, of, uh, as Christian parents. We're to get our heart right. You have to be loving God and believing God. We're to enrich our relationship with our child. You can't wait until they lose respect for you. That's what, exactly what happens through peer pressure. So you want to keep a close relationship with them. And then you need to be, com- be communicating God's word during shared ex- life experiences. Don't let that be a rarity. Make it something that's very common in your life, that you talk to your children about the things of God. They need to know and understand that you really have real faith and that you have come to experience the reality of what salvation is, what it is to have a relationship with Jesus Christ and to walk with him. Now, God's role, we are told in John 3, for example, that God does not have any grandchildren. Uh, All of God's children have been born of God. And uh, Paul says in Romans chapter 9, verse 1, I am telling the truth in Christ. I am not lying. My conscience testifies with me in the Holy Spirit that I have great sorrow and unceasing grief in my heart, for I could wish that myself, I myself were accursed, separated from Christ for the sake of my brethren, my kinsmen, according to the flesh. Now, he's not talking about his children there. He's talking about his brothers and sisters, his Jewish brothers and sisters. He wants to see them saved. And that was a very difficult thing that took a long time for the gospel to penetrate uh, the Jews, and it did, and the great majority of them came to faith in Christ. And so you should be praying that you will be an effective gospel witness. This is where your first, uh, 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 your first attempts to share the gospel should be with your own children. In Ephesians 6.19, he says, and, and pray on my behalf that utterance may be given to me in the opening of my mouth to make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel. That's what he wanted God to do for him. I love it when a parent asks me to pray for them, that they would become effective in sharing the gospel with their own children, that they would have an open mouth and an open heart. They would be able to, to talk to them about the truth of who Christ is and what he has done for us. So that's what we have to do. Um, and, and because God doesn't have any, any he doesn't have any, uh, um, grandchildren, we have the responsibility of bringing the gospel to them. This is the greatest privilege in all of life. I have no greater privilege. I've never had any greater privilege than the fact that I could share the gospel with my children. And I was talking to one of my, my children the other day, and, uh, and they were telling me about, they wanted me to, to know that they truly had believed in Christ because they thought I didn't believe it. I don't know why they thought that, but I said, oh, I believe you. I believe you're being quite sincere. I don't think you're, you're, you're putting me on. This is where he's placed us in their lives. He wants us to be evangelists in their life and disciple makers. He wants us to, to 
uh, have the kind of relationship with them that we can talk to them about the important things of the faith, how they can grow, how they can advance, how they can become witnesses for Christ, how they can actually live in the power of the Spirit. That's what God wants us to do. And this is why he has promised to do his part. And his part is he will empower you to bear witness to your own children, to talk to them about the truth of the gospel. Uh, I've heard so many stories by, uh, from fathers who have who've shared the gospel with their children who came to faith in Christ, and they have had no greater joy than that. It's the greatest joy they ever experienced, to see their kids come to rest their faith in Jesus Christ. So as a father on this Father's Day, this is what God's called us to. He's called us to be effective witnesses for Jesus Christ. He wants us to be telling our own children about the truth of the great, great blessing of this good news that Jesus has come into the world to to remove every obstacle that separates us from God. He's paid the penalty for our sins. He has supplied a propitiation, which means that he has given God everything necessary by his work so that God could declare us to be righteous. He could make us one of his own, and we can live in this state of being righteous in the eyes of God. And so he wants us to be communicating this truth to our children in such a way that they come to the place where they rest all of their faith on him, and we begin to see fruit born in their lives. I still remember the first thing my wife, when I told her that, that this had happened a couple days later, she goes, I knew something happened because he's completely changed. See, that's what happens is God begins to change the life. He begins to change the tastes and the desires. He does a wonderful, wonderful thing in the life. And you can, you can experience that. You can see that take place in your own family when you submit to Christ and let the Spirit empower you that he will open your mouth and give you the words to speak so that you can call your own children to faith in Jesus Christ. That would be the greatest Father's Day gift you could ever receive. There's nothing greater than that, to see a child come to rest their faith completely in Christ and begin to walk with him and begin to treat you as a fellow believer in Christ. That's what we want to see happen. It's what I pray for. And I want to invite you, anytime you want me to pray for you and your ability to witness to your, ch- your children, please tell me, because I want to be praying for you for that. Now, I do pray for all parents. Uh, but I'd love to pray for individuals who ask, because God is able to give you all that you need to be an effective gospelizer in your own family. And uh, that's what I pray will happen. Let me pray for you before we stop. Our Father, I, I thank you so much for your grace. I thank you, Father, that you've provided a way that our children can come to believe on Christ and have their sins forgiven, be reconciled to you, be brought into this relationship with you, Father, where there are They are, by you, declared to be righteous in your eyes because of what Christ has done for them. I just pray that you would help us to have the courage and to have the motivation to share the gospel with our own children. Please give us opportunity to do that, we pray. We ask you, God, we would be willing to pray for one another and intercede for one another that we might be effective in this work that you've called us to, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So I just encourage you this week, spend some time with your kids, talk to them about about some real things, some spiritual things, some things that are really important about Jesus Christ and about what God has done and about God's love for them and so forth. Don't wait. Don't wait till it's too late. Do it now. God has given you opportunity to bear witness. And if you have failed to bear witness in the past, you can bear witness in the future. 
and talk to your children. Talk to them about the thing that's the most important thing in all the world. And they will, they will know that you have value them highly. That's what I pray in Jesus' name. To respond to this message or learn more, please visit calvarytruth.org.